Hello and welcome back to the podcast. The Sermon on the Mount represents one of Jesus' most powerful and probably influential blocks of teaching that still challenges the reader just as much today as it would have 2,000 years ago. So we're going to take the next several weeks to methodically unpack Jesus' teachings in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and we'd like to invite you to join us on that journey. If you have any more questions about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org. And you can also find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us today. We are in the midst of a study we began a few weeks ago, studying through the Sermon on the Mount. So we began in Matthew chapter 5. And we spent some time looking at the Beatitudes there in the first few verses of that chapter. And then last week we spent a little bit of time talking about the salt and the light analogy that Jesus uses uh, kind of at the back end of his introduction to his teachings. And today we're going to pick up in verse number 17, and we're going to continue our study talking about uh, Christ and some of the things that he has to say in regards to the law. And so, Jeremy, as we begin, we'll read this here in just a moment, but as we begin, maybe just kind of catch us up to speed on the setting of all of this. I know we talk about this each time, but I think it's important as we go through this week by week, it's, it's easy to lose sight of the fact that this obviously is all happening in one setting. And so I think it's important to do a little bit of an introduction and recap, if you will, just to make sure everyone is on the same page in regards to where we are and the setting in which this teaching is taking place. Yeah, I mean, a lot of ways we've often made mention that this is uh, maybe the most lengthy of uh, what seems to be a single teaching, you know, from Jesus. I mean, certainly minus, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, studies ago when we went through John 13 through 17. That is certainly an at-one-time lengthy piece of Jesus' teaching, but they're just to his closest of followers, the apostles, a very limited crowd. We've learned in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, this this crowd is not a limited crowd. It is a big, it is a big big crowd, and it is full of lots of different people. Um, there are those to be that will be his followers. There are those who are that will be his enemies in a lot of ways, and they are all here in the crowd. It's certainly, a Jewish crowd that would be familiar with where he's going to go next, and talking about the law and the Pharisees specifically, and so they would understand all the things that he's about to talk about uh, intimately. Understand, and, and so that's important, I think. But really, these verses that we're going to cover uh, beginning today from 17 through 20 really is the beginning of what is really the largest piece of this sermon, where he's going to introduce, this is really the introduction to uh, the rest of chapter 5 and really deep into chapter 6, where he'll have some very specific things to say about the law mm-hmm. and our, as followers of his, uh, reactions to it, very specific things to say about the Pharisees and uh, their handling of the law, as he certainly gets uh, into chapter 6. And, and it, both of those things, he, he really sets up in a masterful way. Uh, we certainly shouldn't be surprised by that. But he sets this whole section up in, in really a masterful way in verses 17 through 20. You may mention last week, and rightly so. When you get to the very end of this sermon, I mean, people are blown away by what he has to say. I mean, they, they are, they're, I mean, open mouth. I mean, it, it is mm-hmm. shock and awe because it's so counter, not just to the world's culture, but even to the religious culture 
you know, at the time. I mean, it's so contrary to in a lot of ways, and that's what this section really begins to accentuate. And he wants to set that up, and he does so in a pretty remarkable way right here beginning of verse 17. Yeah, let's read this together, and then we'll dive into some of what Jesus is saying. So beginning in verse number 17, Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, One jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So as you mentioned, Jesus is beginning to expound a little bit on his approach to the law. And this is something that's going to be called into question on many, many occasions. We've been studying, not here at the podcast, but we have a Bible study on Tuesday mornings when we're studying through the Gospel of Luke together. And one of the things we've noticed as we study through that is just how often Jesus is, is performing miracles on the Sabbath day, and the Pharisees are just railing against him because they see that as disrespectful to the law and even Jesus going outside the bounds of the law as he performs these miracles on the Sabbath. And so this is something that's going to be at the forefront of the controversy between Jesus and the Pharisees is his approach to the law. But he is saying at the outset of his ministry, he is not here to break the law He's not here to destroy it. He's not here to defame the prophets and everything that they had to say. In fact, just the opposite. He is here to fulfill the law. And so he is establishing right out of the gate the respect that he has for the law, the importance that it plays, almost knowing, certainly Jesus knowing what's going to happen in a lot of ways, understanding that this is going to be something that he's going to have to deal with as he begins his teaching And he's making sure that everyone right out of the gate understands where he stands on this topic, that he is not here to break the law, in fact, just the opposite. I know we'll certainly get more into it uh, beginning next week, but Jesus certainly knows where he's going, right? He knows what the next things are that he's going to say. And, uh, and he knows how people are going to react to that. And so you're right. He's almost you know, trying to cut that off of the pass a little bit. Now, uh, how much difference that makes uh, you know, to people, you know, that may remain to be seen. Yeah. But uh, he really tries his best to, to cut that off. And, he, and you're right. He battles that. Mm-hmm. It, it seems throughout the Gospels he is coming up against to, you know, these kinds of questions of him you know, stepping out against the law, and in their minds, him stepping out against God. And, yeah. you know, and he's saying that that, that it, not just is that not true, it's the furthest thing from the from the truth. Yeah. And, and so that's why you get the power of this passage where he, you know, he says, not only am I not doing that, I'm not disparaging, I'm not breaking, I'm not speaking against, I'm here even to fulfill He'll talk about the importance of even keeping the law, mm-hmm. um, and, and keeping the law as it was intended to be kept. Is the you know is what will become really the right. big point that he's going to make here. But it, it is so interesting his relationship to the law, which he kept perfectly, mm-hmm. unlike everybody else around him. Yep. That he can be so often 
accused of stepping outside of the law, and each and every time uh, he is able to prove that this simply isn't the case. Yeah, well, he, he's going to make the point over and over how the Pharisees have perverted the law way into something that God never intended for it to be. They have created so many traditions and so many customs around it, and they have really made the law to serve them at this point in time. And so what the Pharisees are adhering to is not even the law that God intended in the first place. And so Jesus, in a lot of ways, is going to try and bring them back to the original intent of the law and the way that God intended for it to be kept. And that is going to then bring them to the point of asking the question whether or not Jesus has the authority to do that. And and his authority in these matters is really what's going to be called into question on many, many occasions. And so him demonstrating his respect for the law at the outset of his teaching I think is really important. Now, certainly the Pharisees are probably going to forget this rather quickly, um, but him him being able to point back to this and say, no, I, I actually understand the law better than you do. I actually respect the law more than you do. That is going to be something that, again, they're going to butt heads on many times. But for those listening, beyond just the Pharisees, it's also very important. I think you made mention earlier that this is largely a Jewish audience that would have been there to to listen to his teaching at this time. It would have been really important for them to hear this as well and to understand that I know some of my teaching is going to be challenging, but I want you to understand that I'm not here uh, to discredit the law in any way. And in fact, time and time again, he's going to point to the fact that if you better understood the law and if you better understood what the prophets had to say, you would better understand me and why I'm here and what I'm doing because all of those things have pointed to Jesus. If the law and the prophets, all of it was intended to pave the path to Christ to this time right now. And the better that they understood those things, the easier it would be for them to see Jesus for who he really is and what he's here to do. And so their misunderstanding of some of those things is actually contributing to the challenges they're going to face in recognizing Christ as the Messiah and understanding why he's here. And so his his understanding and his knowledge of the law is actually going to really aid him in in his teaching and as he's trying to bring people to a better understanding of who he is. Yeah, we'll certainly talk more about this as we get, you know, into uh, a little bit deeper studies uh, into the future. But a phrase that he will really begin to use throughout the rest of this chapter is, you know, you have heard it said, and then he'll say something, and then he'll say, you know, but I say to you. You know, I've always found it interesting that, you know, he brings up that saying, but never once does he say, you know, the law said this, but mm-hmm. I'm saying this, right? Yeah. That's not the direction that he's going. He's not speaking out against the law. Mm-mm. He's speaking out against what they have turned into a law, you know, in some ways. And, and so kind of to reiterate that here in this introduction is he'll make the point there in verses 18 and 19 that when it comes to the law— it's serious. It's not just something to be, you know, dealt with flippantly or, or you know, casually. The law, the actual law of God, is a serious thing, and it is not to be altered. It is not to be changed. It is not to be veered from. And he'll make the point that even the least of the commandments, you have to. I mean, it, it, he he paints the picture that. 
not just am I, you know, not taking serious the law, I take it the most serious. And what he will showcase is that he, he isn't the one, mm-hmm. you know, misusing the law. It is the religious leaders of the time who are misusing the law, and that becomes a devastating point that certainly he makes in this sermon, throughout the rest of it, and really throughout the entirety of his ministry. Yeah, he, he calls specific attention to the Pharisees here in this passage that we read, and I can only imagine, you know, trying to picture what this may have looked like as all of these people were, you know, probably sitting around him. I imagine probably standing in some of the locations were probably some of the Pharisees. You know, we get the picture that some of them seem to even follow him around. Um, They were very cautious of him and his teachings really from the outset. And so certainly anytime someone would gather large crowds and begin speaking on religious matters, the Pharisees were going to be interested in that because that's their job. That's their role. They are the religious leaders of of society, and they are the ones who others are supposed to go to and listen to teach about the law. And so as Jesus began gathering these crowds, I'm sure many of them were there listening to what Jesus had to say, thinking about their, and looking at the reactions that the people had. And Jesus, uh, unafraid, calls specific attention to these people, but he does so by, by using them as an example and telling everyone that's sitting around them, you see these Pharisees, and you see how highly they think of themselves and all the the fancy garments that they wear and all the ways they've put themselves up on a pedestal, they are not your standard for righteousness. And I, I can only imagine how that would have affected some of the Pharisees in that crowd because in their minds, they wanted to be the standard for righteousness. They wanted to be the people that others compared themselves to. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not, that's not it. They are not, they are not your standard of righteousness. You have to exceed their righteousness. And in this culture, they had created a sense that that was impossible. That you, you couldn't exceed the righteousness of a Pharisee. They were the most righteous. Mm-hmm. They were the most righteous people you could find. And Jesus points to them and say, no, your righteousness needs to exceed that of the Pharisees. And that would have been a shocking statement to all of those sitting listening and the Pharisees standing on the outskirts. Everyone would have been taken aback by saying like that. Yeah, I mean, they're the most righteous because that's what they've been saying, right? Yeah. I mean, that yeah, ultimately is right. the case. And, and Jesus now is, is saying something different. I mean, he, he, he calls them out just here in these you know four verses both indirectly and directly. I mean, you have in verse 19 when he says, whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so, there's a very indirectly, you know, mm-hmm. calling out the scribes and Pharisees. But then when you get into verse 20, he, he just calls them out, right? I mean, your, your righteousness has to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. And so he's painting a picture that you, you want to enter into the kingdom. You, you're interested in entering the kingdom of heaven. You have to go at things differently than the way the scribes and Pharisees. When it comes to religion, when it comes to spirituality, you're going to have to do it differently than the scribes and the Pharisees. And you've made the point to hear uh, not just the scribes and the Pharisees, how they would have felt about Mm -hmm. that, but even the people to hear a phrase because they have been lauded, now them putting themselves there in a lot of ways, 
as the religious elite, that that is something to be you know, aspiring to. But Jesus is saying, listen, you, you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you've got to do it differently than they yeah. did. Not the same right. or as much. You've got to do it differently than yeah. them. And, and you know, not just as he set this up, I mean, he will give example after example after example after example uh, here in the following verses. Yeah, I think, you know, there is some application to this today, you know, as we kind of get to the end of this. I think it's easy for us today, maybe even sometimes unconsciously, to put people on a pedestal and begin to compare our righteousness to their righteousness. And it's easy for us to do that with preachers, Bible class teachers, elders, deacons, et cetera, fill in the blank, whatever, whoever you want to put in that category. It's very easy for us to use them as our standard for righteousness. And I think one of the things that Jesus is introducing us to here, he's going to build on it in other teachings along the way. No individual is, should be our standard for righteousness, He's going to talk about this much later on. We won't talk about it in in this study, but when he talks about love and and the responsibility that we have to love our neighbor, well, the old law says love your neighbor as yourself, but Jesus brings a new way of thinking about it. You love people the way that he loves people. No longer is your love for yourself the standard for the way that you're going to love others. Now it's the way that Jesus loves you. And the same should be true with the way that we think about righteousness. No one individual should be our standard for righteousness. We need to look to Christ as our standard. He is the highest standard for righteousness that we can possibly see, and he is the one we should strive to attain that. We are, he's the one that we should strive to be like in that way. And so this introduction to this notion here in Matthew chapter 5 is very challenging for people because these Pharisees have been that standard for them. And Jesus is calling them to try and break that way of thinking. I want you to think about this differently. Don't look at them as your standard. And that's something that we each have to challenge ourselves to think about. Are we uh, consciously or subconsciously putting others on a pedestal and measuring ourselves against them as it pertains to our righteousness? Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is so important to begin to think about it, you know, that way. I mean, even Peter, as he writes in his epistles about holiness, right? That the, Our holiness, yeah. our standard of holiness is in our, ourself or even anybody else. We are to be holy as God is holy, right? Yeah. I mean, so that yeah. is our standard. And you get other passages, the Apostle Paul understanding that when he calls upon those to imitate me, as I imitate Christ. And so he understood, you know, the that reality. And it, it is that level of teaching that Jesus is trying to shake people out of, right? He's trying to shake people out of the pedestal of the Pharisees or the scribes to get them to understand the only one deserving of the pedestal is God. That is it. He is He is to be there, and he is to be there alone. Yeah. And there are other pedestals there is one pedestal, and everybody else is is in the same place, and it's just it's different thinking mm-hmm. from what they've had in the past, however many hundreds of years, yeah. you know, at this point, and it, it it's a shocking way, but it is something where he'll state here. But then I think he helps them. There's some difficult practical teaching that's coming, yep. but I think that's intended to be helpful to them, where he's like, this is what that's then going to look like. Yep. And so he gives them not one example, multiple examples of how that can play out. Yep. Well, we'll go ahead and stop there, and then we'll pick up with some of those examples 
next week as we begin in verse 21 and we continue our study through the Sermon on the Mount. So we want to thank everyone for joining us today, and we'll talk to you again next week.